I was asked recently, how do I decide what we're going to teach on around here? We teach in series. So every month is a different series where I take a different topic and I try to break that topic down because I, I started doing that because what I would do is I would teach a sermon on friends. I would give you five points about friendship and each of those points should have been a sermon because each of those points deserved more time. They deserved more biblical examination. And so we've taken where we break that down and we've been doing this for years. And really, there's no magical formula on what I teach on. I, I, I teach on what I feel God's leading me to do. I teach on what I feel like I'm dealing with as it pertains to you, things you guys are coming to me with, I'm hearing about. And, and then largely, because I don't do fake real well, I normally teach to you about what I'm dealing with, what my family is dealing with. And as we were talking about and thinking about our November series, I actually go away every quarter. I'm going away in a couple weeks. I go away for a day, and I think about the next three months and what I want to teach on because my schedule is so busy, it just kind of allows me to somewhat have a plan. And I actually didn't have this series written down for November until about two weeks ago. I had a real creative series for the month of November that was called Thanksgiving. And I was going to talk about being thankful and the things we ought to be thankful for, how it's so easy to take things for granted. But as I was playing with words the other day and thinking about things and I was journaling, I changed it to Friendsgiving because this is an issue that so many of us deal with. We live in a time where the word friend really means nothing. Friends used to mean something. There used to be power in the word friend. Then Facebook came along with its 2.9 billion users. And it's kind of cheapened the word friend. It's cheapened the meaning of friendship. The average person has 300 and 38 friends on Facebook. I'm at the limit. You can have 5,000 friends on Facebook. I'm at 5,000 friends on Facebook. I'm friends in real life with about 4,000. No, let me rephrase that. I'm not friends with about 4,998 of them. They're my friends. I see them on my timeline. We've got mixed up with the power of the word friend. What we used to call, and there's nothing wrong with this word, acquaintances, we now call friends, yet we get hurt when the acquaintances act like acquaintances instead of friends. Because we've held them to the expectation of what friendship is when the reality is we don't even know the real purpose behind friendship. We've cheapened friendship. We've actually taken friendship and we've made it like a marriage. We think it's a lifelong commitment. And sometimes friendships are not lifelong commitments. Ecclesiastes says there's a time for everything. And sometimes God brings along people in your life for periods of time. Actually, sometimes God didn't bring the people along at all. You were just in a place in your life where they were filling a void in your life instead of God filling that void, and you put yourself in a situation you never should have been in. Oh, did I say that? We've mistaken fans 
for friends. Someone told me recently, said, you got a lot of friends. I said, no, 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 I got a lot of fans. When things are good, they're cheering it. And when things aren't good, they're talking shit about it. Sorry, there's no way to sugarcoat that word. I'm not trying to throw a cuss word out there to shock you. That's just the reality of the situation. We've cheapened the word friend. Our life has literally changed probably in the last 15, 20 years because social media has given us access to so many different people and we've cheapened the power of the word friend. The way we communicate has changed. The way we receive information has changed. The way we share our lives with others has changed. We now live under this delusion that everybody should know or wants to know every detail of everything that we're doing. We can't eat a meal without taking a picture of it. I'm not preaching at you, I'm preaching with you. We connect with people online that we think are friends. And and then we live under this illusion that we think if someone is our friend, that that means they get 100% of us. No. That's because you don't understand what friendship is. So we're going to look at this subject of friendship. And, And then the funny thing is, we have more people in our lives than ever. Yet if people were to be honest, they're more lonely than they've ever been. Surrounded by people and surrounded by voices and surrounded by information. More access to people than ever and yet we're more lonely and we have a void in our life called friendship like never before. It's sad that we've actually minimized the word friends because There's very few things that are more powerful in our life than true friends. I am convinced, I have said this a hundred thousand times from this stage. If we get our friends right, we get our lives right. You are now, or you soon shall be, what your friends are. The flip side of that is true, too. If we get our friends wrong, it can impact our lives negatively for years to come. You are now or you soon shall be what your friends are. I tell people this all the time. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. I can always tell when someone new comes into Action Church within three weeks where they're headed in life, by who they're drawn to at Action Church. Like we have an antenna, we're drawn to people that are like us. We are. Negative people are drawn to negative people. It just happens that way. Critical people are drawn to critical people. I can watch someone post something on social media, this way or that way, And without looking at the comments, I can tell you who's going to comment in agreement with them. Because misery loves company. 
We're drawn to people like us because that's comfortable. We become comfortable in our discomfort. And we don't want people who are going to stretch us and change us. Winners are drawn to winners. You ever notice that winners always hang out with winners and losers always hang out with losers? Successful people hang out with successful people, and the people who always have bad breaks are always surrounded by people who have bad breaks. You are now or you soon shall be what your friends are. And the problem is we're mistaking friendship as this lifelong thing, so the problem is there comes times in our life where we outgrow our friends. It doesn't make those friends bad people. Let me rephrase that because to outgrow them seems like you're better than them. How about there comes in times in life where you just go in different directions than those people, but yet we feel like we need to keep them in our lives even though they're impacting us negatively because they've always been there. Keep doing what you've been doing, and you'll keep getting what you've been getting. Surround yourself with positive people, and you'll be positive. Surround yourself with people who are achieving greatness and chasing their dreams, and you'll achieve greatness, and you'll chase your dreams. It's funny, every time I make that statement, you are now or you soon shall be what your friends are, for some reason, somebody gets offended by it. I don't know why. They do every time. They want to argue with me. They want to try and tell me why I'm wrong. But over and over and over, I'm telling you, show me the five people outside of your spouse, your family, and your coworkers, the five people you do life with, and I'll show you the average of what your life is. We're drawn to people like us. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13:20. It's so simple. People say the Bible's complicated. Look at it. It's not very complicated. Walk with the wise. And become, come on, white church, help me out today. Walk with the wise and become, for a companion of fools suffers harm. You want to become wise? Walk with the wise. You want to suffer harm? Go hang out with fools because they've always been your friends. We grew up together. Cool. And they're achieving nothing in life and bringing you down, but you're too stupid to realize it. Or you're content being less than what God intended you to be. I don't know. You know my philosophy. My philosophy is we get one shot at this incredible thing called life, and it'll be a cold day in hell before I waste it on a companion of fools. Someone said, Gary has no art. He can just cut people out. No, no, I I don't just cut people out just to cut people out. But I'm constantly examining my life and asking myself, man, in this network, in this closeness, in this inner circle that I have, is there people that can stretch me better and make me become who I feel like God wants me to be better? So it's a miserable way to live. No, it's a fantastic way to live. It's a winning way to live. It's a, it's a never-be-content way to live. Knowing that I, I, that there's more out there that God wants for me. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion fool, so for some of the guy who wrote this is a guy named Solomon. The wisest guy who ever lived, the Bible says. Proverbs was his knowledge that he was passing down to his son. That's why every verse is kind of a different topic. He's just throwing out wisdom. He's telling his son, hey son, walk with the wise and become wise. I think it's awesome that Solomon wrote it down because he knew that his son wasn't going to listen to him in the moment. Anybody got kids? 
I heard Christine telling one of our kids the other day, one of our children was exposed to something that I told them they were going to be exposed to. But dad doesn't know anything. And I heard Christine in the next room telling this child, I'm sick of saying these words. Gary told you so. I don't tell them so to be arrogant. I tell them so because in this particular area of my life, it's one of the things that I'm strong in. And I can see it happening. Walk with the wise because, but they're not going to listen to me. I should write these things down so when they get older and they've failed and they've gone through the hard knocks because you're never going to stop your kids from going through the hard times because we're too stubborn. I didn't listen either. I had to lose everything to start listening. They can go back and read. He told his son, he said, walk with the wise and you become wise. He's telling his son, son, you become who you do life with. If you want to be a failure in life, hang out with failures. If you want a bad marriage, hang out with those who have a bad marriage. If you always want to have drama, hang out with those who always have drama. If you want to live life always negatively, hang out with those that are always negative. You want to always be broke your life? Hang out with broke people. You are now or you soon shall be what your friends are. I'm living proof of this. Any area of my life that I have had success in, because I've made conscious decisions to put people in my life that were successful, the opposite of that is true. Every area of my life that I have not seen success in is because I have put people in my life who were not successful in that area. I want you to take a moment and I want you to think about the five closest people in your life. Not your spouse. Not your family, not your dog, not your imaginary friend. Outside of those people, your imaginary friend, your dog, your spouse, and your family, who are the five closest people to you? I'm talking about the one that you know you can call at two in the morning and be transparent with. I'm talking about the one that you know you can go to and they will walk through the fire with you. I'm talking about the one that you can go to and you know when the day comes when you're no longer friends, they're not going to air your dirty laundry everywhere. I'm talking about your closest friends. Think of the five. As you think of those five people, psychologists and leadership experts will tell you that you're the average of those five people. They will tell you that in almost every area of your life, You are the average of the five people you do life with. Chances are real good of the five people you do life with, you're in the middle financially. You're in the middle in health. You're in the middle of that success-wise. Morally, chances are you're in the middle of those five. If you're pursuing God with your life, chances are real good you're surrounded by people who are pursuing God in their life. You know how I can always tell you if someone who comes to me is an addict and they decide they're going to get their life together? One of the determining factors that I can tell, I've been doing this gig a long time now, is whether or not they're going to be successful in overcoming their addiction is this. 
Are they willing to change their friends? If they're not willing to change their friends, they might get clean for six months. They might get clean for a year. But if you're still hanging around addicts and you're clean, eventually you're going to get tired of being clean. No, 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 no. I'm going to bring them up. No, 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 you're not. You're not. Who's out there today? Let me see, let me see, let me see, let me see. Alan, come here. Come here. You sexy thing. I want you to stand right here. I'm going to bring them up. Put your arms up. I'm going to bring you up. Try to pull me down. Try to pull me down. See? That wasn't faking. You can go sit down, Alan, you sexy thing. You're not going to bring them up. They're going to bring you down. Every single solitary time. They can pull them a groin. I hate to admit when my mom is right, but my mom used to always tell me, you will become like those you run with. You are now, or you soon shall be what your friends are. As you think about that list of five, I want you to be honest with yourself. Have I surrounded myself with the right people? The five people that are around me, if I was living life as they live, would I be happy? If my success level was happy, we all have success is different for every person. Their outlook on life, is that the outlook on life that I want to have? Do, do, do they have a marriage like I want to have? Do they have children like I would aspire to have? Are, are they parents like I would aspire to be? Is their walk with God something that I would like to emulate? The five people you're hanging out with the most, do they make you better? Do I want my finances to be like their finances are? Do I want my family to be that? Ask yourself, show me your friends and I'll show you your future. So we need to understand the definition of friend. We've watered it down. The Bible says this in Proverbs 17, 7, again, Solomon talking. He says, son, a friend loves at all times. A friend loves at all times. When you screw up, a friend loves. That doesn't mean they coddle you. That doesn't mean they tell you what you want to hear. Oh, BTW, if you're too afraid to tell your friend the truth, they're not your friend. A brother is born for a time of adversity. Think about how our lives would be if we had five or six healthy people that loved us at all times. Well, 13 years ago. I would have told you I had more friends than anybody I knew. I pastored the largest church in town. I was named one of the top 20 pastors in America under 35 years old. I had a blog at that time. For those of you who don't know what blogs are, blogs were a big deal back then. 
Christianity Today named my blog the number three most influential evangelic blog in America. I could pick up the phone and literally call the cell phone of every pastor you've ever seen on television because I knew them firsthand. I'm not saying that to brag. I'm telling you where I was. I I would have told you I was surrounded by friends. I had a staff of 15 people that five of them picked up their families and moved here to be part of what I was doing, and I did life with them every single day of my life. I would have told you they would have took a bullet for me. And I would have told you I would have took a bullet for them. Then I lost everything through poor decisions. Listen to what I'm about to tell you. I don't say this for sympathy. I tell you just to give you reality. Those five staff people, I literally never heard one word from them ever again. Those pastors never reached out again. Well, one of them did. That a lot of y'all listen to because he has one of the number one podcasts in America. His assistant sent me a message. Pastor wants you to know he's praying for you. Oh, okay. Thanks. I remember after that email pulling up my text message thread with that pastor. We texted on average 23 times a week for two years. Yet he couldn't send a text himself. I would go out in public around here and people would see me and literally do U-turns in the aisle. They were so afraid. I get I'm not an attractive man, but dang. And the reality hit me that I could have told you I had friends, but I had none. Because we've cheapened the word friend. Bible says a friend loves at all times. I can love you and not like what you're doing. How would your life be different with those five or six people? How would your life be if you had enough situational awareness to know that those five or six people, don't miss this, this is what's going to shock some of you, are interchangeable? Not because the friendship's not important, but because maybe God sent them to your life for a time like this. He sent them to your life for a season. Maybe he sent them there to be forever, but maybe not. Christine and I were out recently, and we ran into an old friend of mine. I had not talked to this friend in probably three years. Saw him. Man, what are you doing? Good Bible called up. We did the the old fake. Hey, let's talk soon. We weren't going to talk soon. Now, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Don't miss this. Me and that friend did not have a falling out. Me and that friend never shared a bad word with each other. Me and that friend did not become mad with each other. Me and that friend simply after years and years and years went through different periods of our life in different directions and we kind of drifted apart. That's okay. I always find it interesting in the New Testament, there's Paul. Paul wrote most of the New Testament. And then there's John Mark. Mark wrote the book of Mark. There's a period where Paul and Mark, Christ followers out starting churches who wrote the New Testament, went their separate directions for a period. They didn't get into a fist fight. They didn't create drama. They didn't talk crap about each other. Life just took them in different directions at the time. But there's an interesting thing later on. You'll see that Paul says, hey, bring back John Mark. 
He's beneficial for this. And they came back together. We think that if we quit talking to someone or we drift apart, something has to be ugly and something has to be bad. Sometimes life just happens. All throughout high school, I hung out with three guys. There was four of us. Never had a falling out with those guys. Here's what happened. I turned 21 years old and gave my life to Christ. I turned 21 years old and I got married. I turned 21 years old and I moved my family to Iowa to start a church. They stayed single for years, lived together for years, partied together for years. We didn't have a falling out. I was just at a different stage in life, and that's okay. Your spouse is forever. Friendships are not. And that's okay. And sometimes your spouse isn't forever. I understand that, but you go into it with the commitment. No one goes into their marriage like, I'm going to get divorced one day. I'm marrying this person, but I know i got about five years with them. Then I'm out. <laughs> what would happen if you had five or six healthy people, not a friendship built on your dysfunction, but on health that makes you a better person? Imagine how our values would be different if we had people who stretched us and pulled us and who were further along in the journey with us. Tuesday, I will go off and have a lunch with a friend. He's my friend. I'm glad God brought him into my life. But selfishly, I will go to lunch with him for him to stretch me. And because I got a thousand questions about some business stuff I'm doing and I respect him in that area. It'd be real easy Tuesday to go to lunch with someone who I'm further along than in that area where I could feel good about myself. But you've got to learn and return. You've got to have people ahead of you on that journey and people behind you on that journey. You are now or you soon shall be who your friends are. Your future will be determined by your friends. And the reality is very few of us have healthy friendships. The American Psychological Society didn't even know that was a thing. The American Psychological Society says that the average American has two close friends. Two. Of those two friends, over 87% of the Americans that have those two friends say those two friends are not healthy relationships that make them better. That's staggering. So on average, we have two friends, and 87% of us say, friendships really don't make me better. There's a lot of reasons for that. I was thinking about this week, increased work hours, Used to be a day and time where people literally worked 40 hours a week. Does anybody know what that looks like anymore? No. We work more. Divorce rates are higher now. Because, you know, when your friends get divorced, you get divorced. I don't know if you knew this. This is the rules of divorce. You have to choose sides. Did you know that you have to choose sides? It's just the way it goes. I'm being facetious. But our friends get divorced and it splits us up. And, man, we can't talk to her because, man, he'll think, you know, Divorce rates have skyrocketed. Social media, 
has led to a lack of friendships. Again, we, we have a lot of superficial surface level friendships. We don't put in the work anymore. We're so busy nowadays. Our kids are so active. We're on the go all the time. We're surrounded by noise that we're not willing to put the work in to the friendships. So what I want to do is I want to give you some real quick things. This is a foundational message for the rest of the series. We're going to be talking about some characteristics of friendships over the coming weeks. It's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this series. Next week, I'm going to be talking about the accountability of friendships. I can't wait for this message. God really spoke to me this week in my notes, and I was writing down some thoughts, and I can't wait to break it down for you, the power of accountability. We hate that word, but it's game-changing. But to get to where we have friendships who keep us accountable, we got to have friends. Most of you don't have friends. You have acquaintances. You have fans. You have surface-level relationships. So how do we get true friendships? You ready? Some groundbreaking. This first step is so deep that you're not ready for it. It's going to blow your mind. It's going to be like, holy smokes, that man is a genius. And I am. In my own mind. First step into having friends is... I just don't have any friends. Well, of course you don't. You have resting bee face all the time. You never smile. You never talk to anybody. Moving our new neighborhood. Our, man, our neighborhood is a neighborhood where like, people like to socialize. They hang out at the end of their driveway and drink wine and talk. And Christine does it. I mean, our neighbors don't like me. She's like, they don't know you. You never go when they ask you to come out. I'm in a bubble bath. I don't get time to go out. My time, my time. I'm not friendly. So why would I expect them to be friendly back to me? They're nice. They wave. I don't even do that half the time. I justify it with the head nod. Because like, you have tinted windows. They don't see the head nod. They just see you being a jerk. I'm not friendly. I think my neighbors know my brother-in-law more than they know me. I'm not a friendly person. I'm working on it over the years. I'm becoming more friendly. I say hello now. Sometimes. I've got family that don't even want to be around me because I say I'm not friendly when I'm around. I'm working on it. Be friendly. Bible is earth-shattering. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 18. <laughs> it's mind-boggling. A man who has friends <laughs> must himself be friendly. That Bible's so complicated. If you have no friends, maybe it's because you're not friendly. That church, no one spoke to me. Did you speak to anybody? Or did you come in scared to death? It's so simple, but it's so life-changing. We always put friendship on the other person. That's my favorite. Are you ready? I'm going to step. Let's step on some toes. I give up. They haven't called me in a month. Have you called them? Well, I sent them some texts. Did you ever think that maybe they're busy? Kylie, how long have you been in my life? Ten years? 
Kylie and Betty Blankenship. And me and Christine, they're some of our best friends. We go on vacation together. So much so that, man, y'all love to spread rumors that we're all swingers. Trust me, don't nobody want to swing with this. And if Kylie didn't play drums, no one would want to swing with that. Dang musicians. Do you know that there's times that we go months outside of Sunday morning without talking? Do you know that in 10 years, Betty Blankenship has never answered her phone one time when I've called her? (laughs) Do you know that we're all in a group text together and Betty in 10 years has never responded to a text to the point that I thought she might be dead one day and called Kylie to make sure she wasn't, the weather was bad. I was like, Betty, okay? I'm like, oh yeah, she don't ever respond. But guess what? She has a life. She works a job. She has three girls that at stages in her life, they were all teenagers. Now she's got grandkids. And her husband works a job. And life happens. And I don't get my feelings hurt because I don't hear from them because they're at different stages in their life than I am. Man who has friends must be friendly. It's so simple, but it's so life-changing. We put the friendship on the other person. I'm done trying. Well, quit being trying. You grow, be, be miserable. Oh, you quit trying. Oh, you hurt me by that. You're the one miserable posting about you quit trying. You're the one miserable. I'm happy. You want to have friends, be friendly. I try. Then I have to, sometimes people are busy. I've got a friend of mine that has been one of my best friends for about 15, 16 years named Brian Kane. A lot of you know Brian. Brian and I went through a period the last six months. Brian, for the first time I've known, had to get a real job. God, how horrible. Horrible. So I couldn't call him during the day. I ain't calling someone at night. I'm done. I'm in the bubble bath. I went about six months with very rare. Christian, like, you talked to Brian? Like, no, he's working. Brian just took another job where he's a consultant. What a great gig. I'm a consultant. He doesn't do anything now. He's paid E five bucks an hour. I talk to Brian every single day now. Different stages in life we can talk. He didn't get mad during those six months saying, man, you haven't talked to me lately. I didn't get mad at him. I just showed myself friendly. Like some of you are so pathetic, you get mad if I don't like your Facebook post. Let me tell you my logic in liking Facebook posts. When I am in the bathroom... And when I am in the bubble bath, is the only time I like Facebook posts. I just scroll down the wall and hit like. I don't even know what you've written half the time. My husband's a piece of crap, blah, blah. Okay, cool, like. Your affirmation, and now you've built friendships on whether or not someone likes your post or not. That's pathetic. No wonder you have no friends. Man. We talk over and over, we have no friends, but the problem is that other people, so many times it's us. Got to be friendly, be understanding. We got to take the initiative. 
No one invites me to anything. Maybe it's because no one likes you. So be likable. Truth hurts. I don't get invited to a lot of stuff. I'm not likable. Now here's the great thing that I've learned. Here's why everything I do is selfish. Let me tell you why I've learned to initiate friendships. Because when I'm the one initiating the friendships, I get to choose who I initiate the friendship with. I'm in control. I initiate and I get to choose. I want that person in my life. They're better. They're going to push me. They're going to challenge me. They're going to stretch me. I have a guy in my life that I've become friends with him lately. We've been texting a lot because he's on a health journey that I was about a year and a half ago. I'm not using him. I like him. But I'm initiating that friendship because I know in that area of my life, he will stretch me and he will push me. Sometimes you just connect with people. We connect. So I initiate that friendship. Now, here's the deal. I need to love everybody. Oh, I'm about to rock your world right here. I need to love everybody. I need to treat everybody with honor. But even as your pastor, I don't have to be friends with everyone. And all the qualifications of a pastor, never does it say be friends with everyone in this church. I love all of you. I'll drop everything for any of you. I don't have to be friends with all of you. I don't have to hang out with all of you. And trust me, you don't want to hang out with me. I'm boring. Literally boring. But it's my right to pick and choose when I'm initiating the friendship so I get to be friendly. How do we be friendly? Some basic things. Just invite someone over. Why don't you come over and have dinner? Man, we need to get together. I normally like to fill that out in big group settings. Hey, we're all going trick-or-treating. There's going to be about 50 of us. Won't you come over? That way, if I don't like them, there's 50 other people they got to be sociable with. And Christine's there, and she's sociable. And my mother-in-law, Heather's sociable. And so I know, like, cool, I can get me and Rick away from them because if Rick gets around them, they're never going to come back. So I'm like, this is cool. It's just a lot large group. It's safer before the small group kicks in. Go out of your way to talk to them. Learn from them. Just be friendly. Second thing we're going to do in our friendships, if we're going to have friendships, is we're going to be present. True friendships develop face-to-face, not thumb-to-thumb. Face-to-face. I told you I'm unhealthy in this area. Let me confess it. Two years ago, I would have told you, when I met Christine, I would have told you, she said, you have no friends. I'm like, I have no friends. You're right. As I've learned the true meaning of friendship, I realize I do have friends. A lot of ways, and I'm not throwing her business, she would tell you she had unhealthy friendships because it was 24-7 all the time. They had different expectations than she did. I should let her teach. You should teach one of these messages. Give me a Sunday off. Oh, she is. She can teach some boundaries and she can teach about friendship. But I've learned meanings of friendship. Think about this. When Jesus called the 12 disciples around, he didn't say, here's a book about me. Go study it. He said, come follow me. He said, let's do life together. Let's journey together. Let's adventure together. 
Let's meet and have breakfast together. Let's get to know each other. Let's hang out. Let's travel. Let's go spread the message of God is what he's saying to these people. Let's do life together. He said, the best way I can get to know you and impart the love of my Father on you is by doing life with you. You develop friendships. You want to protect those people and be there for those people. We have a group out here that brings a clinic here. And I love the lady who runs the clinic. She's funny as crap. Me and her give each other heck all the time. But we developed a friendship. We developed such a friendship that I actually got anxiety. I was more worried about her losing her place for her clinic than I was losing a building. So the first time I saw her a couple weeks ago, I said, hey, I need you to know, man, you might have to find a new place. Now, wherever we go, you can go. But I don't know where we're going. We might be portable from. We might be in a field with a tent. I need, just need you to be prepared. So this week when I found out we weren't losing our building, she had bought some shirts from me. I was so excited when she walked in the building for me to be looking at her and say, hey, you don't have to go anywhere. We're keeping the building. Why? Because a friendship has developed. And I'm present. Our friendship, if you call it a friendship, I don't know that we're friends. We're, we're very good acquaintances. Has never been through messaging, text. It's always been her in the parking lot face to face. It's her giving me hell and me giving her hell and her serving people out here and doing stuff and me griping that they're filling up the parking lot. Man, can't have felt the healthy relationships through the phone or the computer. I watch my kids and their friends. My kids don't have friendships like, like we used to have. They're superficial friendships. He's my friend. He's your friend. You saw him at a restaurant, took his picture, put it on your stories because you thought he was cute. Ask anyone if they knew him. They said, that's this guy. Now you're friends with him on social media. I'm going to kill him when I meet him. So he's not a friend. Hypothetically. Hebrews 10 says this. Let us consider one another in order to stir up love. Let us consider one another to stir up love and good works. Let's consider one another. Why? So we can love and do good works. We can push each other to be better. I had a friend this week say, man, we ought to start meeting once a week and discussing how we can better ourselves professionally, pushing each other to good works. The Bible says in verse 25, not forsaking the assembling sim- ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another. So much more as you see the day approaching. He's saying, quit not meeting together. This is my issue with online church. I'm not anti-online church. We have online church going on right now. Hey, everybody out there in the cyber world. But there's something powerful about assembling together where we can exhort one another. We can encourage one another. We can lift each other up. And sometimes you encourage by chewing that butt. Being honest with them, letting them know they're dropping the ball. I love this verse because we ought to hang out together. We ought to lift one another up. We ought to motivate each other. We ought to encourage each other. We ought to dream together. As the end comes, and if you don't think the end's coming, that much more we ought to do it. Show me someone who's not doing life one-on-one with someone, and I'll show you a miserable human being. I need a break from church. Why? It's my favorite thing. Because of the hypocrites. Really? But you go to work every day and there's hypocrites. You go to the grocery store every day and there's hypocrites. And you go to the bar and there's hypocrites. 
Just say something convicted you about your own life, and instead of taking responsibility for it, you want to blame other people. An old BTW, for anybody thinks I'm talking about, I wrote this sermon weeks ago. That's how God works. Actually, let me one-up you. I wrote this sermon three years ago and put some sections together. I know he's somebody, you don't know who I'm talking about. I'm probably talking about you. But if the shoe fit, where is it? Man, got to be present in those friendships. I don't have time. It's an excuse. You have time to do what you want to do. What time would you want to do? Rest assured that tonight, I will find two hours to be in front of my TV to watch Yellowstone. Did someone just scream, hell yeah? <laughs> that should be like the new thing instead of amen when I talk about Jesus. I'm like, hell yeah. That'd be awesome. God, I love this church. We're going to be present. Last of all, and we're going home. We're going to be open. We're going to be open. To have a healthy friendships, you have to be honest and transparent in your friendships. Now, that doesn't mean you have to be honest with every ounce of information that goes on. Your own. Just because they're your friend doesn't need to know, mean they get 100% of you. But what they get of you needs to be honest and be open. The problem is this with the pendulum swings one way. You have no honesty in your friendship or you have too much honesty in your friendship. My friends hate my husband. Well, of course they do. All you do is talk crap about your husband to them. Everything don't got to be announced. Do you know they said the fastest growing phobia, phobia meaning people are afraid of it, and I think I'm part of this phobia, is talking on the phone. Like, I get mad when you call me when you could have just texted me. Like, why'd you call me? Just in a text. So many of us rather send, like, my move is to do this. I send you a voicemail. Then I text, hey, you good? If you answer your phone, you'd know it. Oh, well, just tell me. So you know why we don't like phone calls? On a phone call, we can't control the direction of the conversation. I can't hide my emotions on a phone call. I can in a text. In a text, I can wait and think of the politically correct way to answer you. In a phone call, I got to be real and transparent. Face to face, I got to be real and transparent. It's hard to be fake when you're talking in a conversation. The Bible says in James 5 16, therefore confess your sins to one another, pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We don't confess our faults when we're not transparent with each other for them to judge us. We're open and honest with our struggles with life. We can bring darkness into light. And people can help us. But we'd rather be fake. How does life come? Killing it, man, killing it. That's funny because your wife tells my wife you're not killing it. But I can't help you because you're being fake to me right now. 
How's life? Good, good. God tells you life is good, chances are it means it ain't so good. For men, we've got to be tough. No, we need to be transparent and be open. How different would our lives be if we had people that we could talk through our issues we're facing and dealing with? I recently went through something. Now, here's the deal. I didn't call everybody. But I had one or two people in this situation. These were the right people to call. And I called them. And told them what I was going through. There was no hold bars with them. I think one of them was in the corner sucking their thumb crying as I was telling It freaked them out so bad. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. I said, well, shut up and just listen for a few minutes. But I wanted him because I knew he couldn't give me an immediate answer, but I knew he'd come back in a few days after meditating. So I had the, had the quick response friend that I knew would be honest, but then I had the one who was going to meditate on it. I didn't go to every friend with that information. I'm down, man. I'm struggling. Guys are the worst of this. Just be tough. Men are being tough and then masking it with alcohol, drugs, sex, porn, insecurity. You're real tough. Sometimes you've got to get it off your chest. If you think you have to have it together all the time, you don't have true friendships. Now, the other side of that, too, is if, man, all you ever do is bitch and whine all the time, maybe you need to evaluate your own life and figure out what it is in your life that makes you that miserable. Chances are it might be your friends. You've got to change them. We tend to think we impress people with our strength, but we don't. We connect with people through our weakness. When I'm vulnerable, when I'm open, when, I'm, when I drop the online persona, it's when my friendships grow. I like the friendships that when I go to lunch, I don't have to be Gary. And if I am Gary, the people I'm with are so successful, they're not impressed. Shut up. Sell that lie to someone else. Here's the deal. God wants you to hear this message today. This is going to be a life-changing message for some of y'all. Friendsgiving. You change your friends. And you can change your life. Evaluate your friends. And you can change your life. As your friends go, you go. You don't got to agree with it. You can be wrong. It's that powerful. You are now or you soon shall be what your friends are. You are the sum total of the five people you do life with. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. That's how powerful friendships are.